Zdrastoče, hello, welcome to Sportsbet's 2018 soccer podcast, World Cup podcast. We're back again. Uh, today we're going to preview the Socceroos in uh, in greater depth, take a deep dive into their chances. Some would say uh, fairly meagre chances at World Cup 2018. Um, joining me today are the man with the endless engine, uh, a, f- uh, a footballing perpetual motion. P- I'm going to try that again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Joining me today, <laughs> oh, don't wait until stop laughing. A footballing perpetual motion machine. It's a mouthful. That's what someone described you as. Um, I found that quote. That? I found that quote online. Uh, I think it was. Oh, I can't remember. It's. It, it was. Yeah, um, I've been top. called there a few times. <laughs> <laughs> um, joining me today, ah, the man with the endless engine, a f- footballing perpetual motion machine. I've said that fourteen times now. Are you away for cup winner and former Socceroo? It's Sports Beretta Emerton. How are you today? Sports Brett. Good, thank you. Uh, how many World Cup, uh, UEFA Cups have you won, David? None. Injuries in the early days kind of curtailed <laughs> us. So the, the, voice of the, the voice of the man you can hear there is David O'Donnell, uh, the non-no-time uh, UEFA Cup winning uh, sports bet soccer trader. Um, it's probably fair to say that the public sentiment around this Socceroos team is at an all-time low going into a World Cup. Um, but are either of you bullish about their chances? Or are you bet Brett? You've been to a World Cup. You know, you know what it's like to go there with the burden of public pressure. Can you tell us a little bit what you were feeling on the sort of eve of the tournament uh, in two thousand and six? Two thousand and six. I don't think uh, the expectations were as great as two thousand and ten. I think it was more just a kind of a celebration for us to actually be there and, and be part of the, the World Cup once again after after 32 years. And I think as players, we didn't put too much pressure on ourselves. We were quite uh, confident, I think, in our own ability. And uh, I think we had every reason to be because we're all playing our football at big clubs around the world at, at top level and, and playing week in, week out. So going into the, the group games um, – we fancied our chances and uh, I, I guess we, we went out there on the pitch and we backed that up. Absolutely did. Is there a chance? So with this team, they feel like if to me and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like a Socceroos team. The Socceroos teams that I remember, obviously, as a an Englishman um, were sort of big and strong and fast and, and you know, they were always played bigger than the sum of their parts. This team... And maybe it reflects the sort of change in soccer culture in Australia more broadly. They're more technical. They're a lot smaller. Um, there's tiny people all over the pitch. There's not these sort of big, you know, people like yourself, you know, well-built units. Um, hope that doesn't make things too awkward. I just got to say, careful what you said. You're telling Bryce, more technical, smaller. What else is going next? Take it easier. <laughs> but you know, that was that was my that was my impression of a soccer squad. Yeah, well, I think. Um, I think that's something we need to get back to as a nation is obviously getting back to to being a little bit more physical and that was that was something we were we were quite good at. I think we're focused too much on as a nation improving ourselves technically that we've forgotten what we are actually good at and what made us hard to beat and why teams I guess never wanted to play against us. So if we can uh, I guess uh, blend the two together then I think we'll start to obviously move forward again as a, as a footballing nation. But um, like I say, the Aussie never die, never say die spirit has to, has to re- remain no matter how technically gifted we become. And I feel like that's, that's definitely present in players like, you know, Aaron Moy and Miller Yednak who have got that grit, a uh, bit of Aussie grit. 
um, in them. So do you feel like they, do you think it's something that Bert van Marwijk, who you played under at mm. Feyenoord, is that something that he'll be looking to sort of harness and, and sort of bring out in the squad? Is he going to say to them, you know, remember who, the, who you are? Let's look at the players from past. Is he going to be ringing in Mark Viduka? <laughs> Maybe not Mark Viduka. Um, is he going to be sort of raising those names from sort of your era? Um, is Tim Cahill going to be able to? Is it, it's so it, uh, that's, I think that's sorry. Cahill text called by his sponsorship. Jeez, oh, how poor yeah. was that? Hey? Um, is is Tim Cahill going to? Do you think he's there more as a link to that sort of era? Is he? Will he? His role more be a sort of cheerleading yeah, one? Yeah, I think he's there more as a, a mentor to the to the young boys within the squad and from what I hear, he actually does that quite well. So um, obviously can't criticise him for that. But going back to, to Bert, I think um, he does recognise um, the strength of the Australian team as, as being our, our mentality and our work ethic and I think um, – uh, me personally, that's what he liked about myself as a player when I when I played under him. So I think he'll be trying to convey that to the boys. Um, don't forget what you're good at. Let's be tough and hard to beat, and uh, see where we can go from there. It doesn't. The one problem I do have with the Australian team, and 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 again, this is uh, just my view, but it's, it seems to speak to when we were announcing the team. Um, you know, there are blokes in the squad who have never been to Australia. It strikes me that it doesn't speak to tremendous tremendous depth if, you know, we're naming players who, you know, the lads, um, he plays in the Croatian League. He's the Karicic. Karicic. He's the captain of his team at 21. He's, a you know, clearly a, a good young talent. But is that the type of, is that type of decision that you make if you've got a lot of options? I think that's, he's been brought up simply because I don't think there's a lot of options. That right back, uh, Vamarek has come out and said that, you know, his scouts have said that he's an option and I think been from like from Ireland over the years we've done that very well we've tapped into anyone with kind of half an Irish passport and got them on board so I reckon if you want to rock up in an Aussie jersey good luck to him and if he gets a game and if he helps the team all for it it's not the worst strategy for Ireland given that this is an interesting fact about Ireland not particularly soccer related but uh, a good fact nonetheless uh, 20 million Irish passports in the world um, I've been given out. Only four million people live in Ireland, so you know you're you're spreading. If is that is that purely a soccer play? Do you think? I don't think so. If you yeah. look at our results, <laughs> uh, definitely not. But uh, yeah, we've always been on the move. Sure, I'm over here. Like so, I mean, everyone's spread across the globe. But um, yeah, look, Cartage. Good luck to him if he gets a game. What do you think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think like. Every, as long as, when you pull on that soccer Rouge jersey, it doesn't matter where you're from. What do you think, Brett, were the sort of key ingredients for your success at uh, 2010 when, when you had the, obviously the great win against uh, Japan? Was that 2010? 2006. 2006. Japan. Japan. Yeah. I think, um, I think the, the great thing about Goose Hitting and our preparations for the 2000 World Cup, he had us prepared for every type of scenario we might we might come up against. And uh, we found ourselves 1-0 uh, down. We threw on uh, big Josh Kennedy up front and started what looked like probably just knocking a long ball into Josh. But that had been actually something we'd worked on plenty of times throughout the, the month leading up to the World Cup. So... Um, we played a particular style. We played obviously direct and uh, used Joshua's aerial ability and within 15 minutes we'd turned the game around and walked away with a 3-1 win. Do you think that's an option for uh, this Socceroos team to go direct to throw on? Who do, 
Like that, that's to me that is the that is one of the the key flaws here is the inflexibility of the team. It doesn't look like they could. Yeah. I don't know how they do go direct. They can't. Kale isn't the type of he's never been. He's obviously great in the air, but he isn't mm. the type of he isn't a target man. He's not there to hold a ball up. No, he's not. He's not like a. I mean, we had Mark Viduka playing up front for us, and yeah. you give him the ball, it's stuck, and uh, no one could get near him. Players could run off him, and uh, I guess that is the worrying thing about this team is you don't have. The versatility of having different styles of, of players, mm. particularly up front, we're quite limited to what we have available to us, and um, that is a concern for this World Cup and and moving forward. Okay. Well, speaking of this World Cup, we'll um, we'll now deep dive into the actual games themselves. The first assignment for Burt's boys, um, obviously about as tough as it gets. We've got France in the first game. Um, a lot of people's pick for the whole shebang. Is there a way that Australia get out of this with the result? We'll ask you, actually, Brett. You can just hold fire, David. I can yeah, see you burning um, there. No, no, <laughs> we'll hear the case. We'll, we'll yeah. hear the positive version first. I think. Oh, I think you, you've 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 got to be positive, and I think in in world football, obviously the the gaps are closing between the the top and bottom ranked nations, and uh, although France are, are a star-studded team, I think they're yet to to gel together well. Um, so I think there's there's an opportunity there, um, especially if they are to to underestimate the Australian team, and uh, it's going to be tough, no doubt. I uh, I, I still fran- fancy uh, France to to get one over us, but I think there are opportunities for us Australia to exploit France, especially uh, in defence. Do you think if so, if Australia do win this one, it's is it going to be a one nil? Is it or is it going to be? Is it going to be one of those instances where maybe France go up, sit back, and then Australia maybe just bang in two goals late, snatch a snatch uh, a victory? I, I don't think we really have the fire firepower to bang in two or three against a team like that. So yeah. I think if we are to to snatch a result, it's going to be a a one nil or a one one. Well, yeah, one nil, uh, twenty six dollars. The one all draw, twelve dollars. Um, well, it's quite nice, you know. Always always value in the draws early on in World Cup tournaments. I think. Um, David, now you're gonna come in and piss on our strawberries, aren't you? No, not really. I mean, like, come on, it's the French, so I mean, we got to be realistic here. Um, it's hard to see anything but a French win, maybe like a 2 0 after kind of 80 odd minutes of trying to kind of 1 0 trying to get a goal or a corner to get a some kind of an attack going. Um, I think the hopefulness for Australia is. At times in qualifying, the French were kind of all over the shop. Uh, the drop points to Belarus and Luxembourg. That um, they lost away to Sweden, I believe. That calamitous Loris mistake. Yeah. Um, a lot of things have to go right. I mean, what Brett said here, Van Marikel set them up right. I mean, probably Joric, if he's fish, will play up front on his own. Um, Rogic Moy, obviously, been the flair man in the team. A lot of things have to go right. That said, I mean, even if the French do win, it's the good thing is it's not over. Their their two finals come straight after. No, exactly. The first game lost to uh, France, no, no way disastrous for Australia. I think lots of, I think you know, obviously two teams go through from every group, and obviously France will be. It, it would take something, you know, calamitous for France. I, for me, I just, I just can see France really underestimating Australia. I can really see Van Marwijk being in Aaron Moy's ear all week. Paul Pogba, look at him. He's on Instagram. He's posting bloody dabs and and silly dances. That's and he's, you know, he's spent more time in the hairdresser's hair than he has training for this game. If 
Aaron Moy can use that as a springboard and, and and feeding some balls behind the back. Their defence aren't the fastest in the tournament. Maybe snatching a goal. Jorich, little poke late on. I think the problem there is when you shut down Pogba, then you have to shut down Griezmann and then Mbappe and then... Yeah, Mbappe. Mbappe is the one who terrifies me here because I think Mbappe, I don't think our centre-halves have seen pace like Mbappe's pace before and I think that might be the the big issue here. It's going to be very, very hard. It's going to be hard. Well, let's move on um, to slightly slightly greener pastures. Um, the uh, Princess Mary Cup, we're calling this one against Denmark <laughs> in the second game. Um, like, I, I, what, Looking at this Danish style, it really reminds me of the old Socceroos, um, Brett. It really reminds me of your sort of Socceroos side. It's big. Here he goes again. He's <laughs> Big and powerful, fast, strong, strong. likeable. Um, handsome <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking yeah we wanted to like one or two star players and then and but then the rest are just you know big workhorses um is there a way we can get a result here and if we do how do we do it well we shut down their main man uh ericsson who's gonna obviously pull the strings and like you say i think they're they're similar to ourselves i don't Think they're as good as the team we had in two thousand and six. There's nothing to be to be afraid of. I don't think they have many exceptional players. They're just a good, solid team, as I think we will be come World Cup time. So, I think we'll definitely be competitive in that one. And um, well, I'll give us every chance to to get a result this, out of that, at least I, a draw. I feel like, David, correct me if I'm wrong. This is this is a game that makes more sense to me because I can see. So our centre halves are big and strong, and Jorgensen, their six foot four forward. This is the type of forward that these guys will be more used to coming against. He doesn't have incredible pace. He is a good target man, but surely we've got more chance of shutting him down than we do of someone like a Kylian Mbappe and Antin Griezmann who can just sleek, sneak in behind you and, and you don't even know they're there and before they're scoring. Is there any chance that this this team almost kind of fits Australia as a, almost a the, exactly the kind of opposition we want to be up against? We know how they're going to play. We know they've only got one player and their forward options are pretty weak. It took one of the best performances I've ever seen in an international game for them to beat Ireland. That first game in Denmark was a dire defensive struggle. Um, and it just took Harrison, you know, blowing Ireland away in the second leg. Dublin. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think the Danes are there for the taking. Obviously, let's not underestimate Ericsson. He's obviously a class act, but they don't have these stars across the pitch. Um, for anyone that's listening here, they'll have a Thomas Delaney in midfield. Absolutely zero Irish connections whatsoever. I thought when I seen his name first a couple of years ago, but uh, they've got Claire, Claire at the back. Um, yeah, like... I guess the first result in the in the Peru Denmark game will be an interesting one. You know, if that's a draw, I guess that's going to suit the Aussies even more. Going into that second game, um, definitely all to play for. Um, you need stuff to go right in the day, and I think the likes of Moy and Rogic are the kind of key players in that kind of game that can I open up um, and create a few chances. Australia four sixty to win that one. Uh, Denmark 167. If you fancy Australia to get a 1 0, that's $11. Um, if you think it might be, what, like a 1 all, 650, those are the kind of. I think neither neither team is a prolific scorer. 
And so I think, you know, sticking, if you're in your correct score bet, sticking around those sort of low scoring ones is probably the go there, um, would think. Yeah, I guess, what do you reckon, Brad? Who starts with Sainsbury at centre-back? Is it going to be German or is it? I think German will start. I think he's probably done enough to probably cement his place. If if I was picking the team, that's who I'd yeah. choose. Yeah. There's cool. a lot of kind of, I think you were saying, a lot of kind of the faces don't kind of jump out like they did, you know, a lot of mm. Premier League based players when you guys were playing. Yeah, the team doesn't, it almost picked itself back then. Yeah. Uh, the starting 11, now there's, it's debatable who is the best starting 11. So, yeah. Does Van Marwijk, do you one. think Bert knows his best starting 11? Is it like, I, don't, I think um, he wouldn't have going into this training camp. I think it's going to take him a week or two to, to figure that out. Um, I don't think there's been enough time for him to really know the players well enough to <clears throat> decide upon the first 11. So I, th- I think their performances in training and, and the two friendlies leading up to the World Cup are, are going to decide who, who starts. Those friendlies always a lot of pressure on those to fine-tune and, and work everything out. I mean, usually that's what it is. It's fine-tuning. It's, do I play this player in this one position? Maybe two or three spots are up for grabs. It feels like with this World Cup, there's a lot more up for grabs. Do you think that's fair or do you think Bert will have th- what, eight out of ten nailed down? Or No, I think <clears throat> Bert will have a particular style of football he wants to play um, and I think he'll pick the players accordingly. So if you don't fit within that structure... I think you'll find yourself on the bench. And I think uh, Goose was much the same in 2006. Um, if you didn't play the type of football type of football he wanted you to play, you found yourself on the bench. I think we saw that with, with Harry Kuehl in the qualifier against Uruguay. Um, I don't think Harry was willing to play the way he wanted and found himself out of the squad. Do you think that's like a, a trend more broadly in international football is we are finally maybe just starting to move away from you're the best player you're in the team I think England have been a team that have been almost mm. always sort of prone to this issue is you know well we're just going to pick the best players we had Lampard and Gerrard playing think, together uh, for 10 years and they, they a, couldn't that's the perfect example you need players who complement one another and unfortunately two uh, world class players but too similar in many ways so just doesn't work so I think that's something in my time playing under Bird at Feyenoord I uh, recognised you did the the role you were asked, otherwise you you're on the bench. And speaking of the role you were asked, um, <laughs> no, there's no segue, there's no segue into that. I was going to try and roll it in. I was hoping when I started the sentence, it would the rest of it would come to me. It didn't. Um, the third game against Peru, um, the Pablo Guerra Cup, David. Um, probably not. Uh, they qualified through the uh, the battle real that is the the combi ball, um, resilient in defence, and they seem to have a great team spirit. Um, those are when you hear team spirit as one of your key strengths, you know you're not going too well. I think um, is the this is obviously Australia's best chance for getting a, a win. Um, is there something about this team that that makes you confident that that will happen? I feel like if we're going to score goals in this tournament, this is surely the game where it happens. I guess the Peru game kind of, you know, Peru could rock up with that third group game with you know, after two defeats and kind of be disheartened of nothing to play for. I actually quite liked them. Um, That's nice because they quite like you too. I know, like Peruvian background. Um, that second half, that qualifying campaign, uh, four points from the first seven games, they were all 
like over the all over the place. But that second half that qualifying came against all the RGs, Brazils, Chiles, Paraguays, Colombias, that's pretty damn impressive. So that tells me that there's a lot of players there that probably apply their trade in South America and maybe Mexico as well that we're not kind of aware of. A few that kind of, I know of Jefferson Farfan and Carrillo Watford um, Guerrero probably won't play, but I reckon they'll go through. Guerrero, obviously the uh, the captain of the team throughout qualifying, who was then banned for testing positive for a substance which we've is unpronounceable and and not the one that you would think uh, a South American would test positive for. Um, but you mentioned before something about the captains of all the teams. Yeah, so um, uh, Jedanak, Simon Clare, and who's the, is it Laurie, is mm. Hugo Lloris, um They all put in a kind of letter to FIFA and said, please bring back Pablo Guerrero. It's like your wedding, um, your bridal party kind of pleads for your ex-wife to come to the wedding. And why would they do that? It makes no sense. It'd be very awkward. Um very awkward indeed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just uh, like he's Peru's best player. And very much the uh, what's her name? Who was Chel- the Chelsea Davy turning up to Harry's yeah, wedding? Harry's wedding. God, what was that? Why would you do it? Did who's, you go? I don't know. I wasn't watching, so thankfully I don't know that. I was not only was I watching yeah, it, I, I was tweeting it. So if you enjoyed the sports bets live coverage of the royal wedding, you've uh, you've me to thank. Um, I guess there's a bit of kind of fair play, but come on, it's uh, their it's best players, far, isn't it? It's all well and good, like our oh, team spirit, rah rah rah. Let's, you know, a bit of unity. But then you don't want to make a team in the World Cup that you're playing against better, surely. Yeah, it, it's it's a funny one. I don't know, Brett, what do you reckon of it? It's... Yeah, I, I don't <clears throat> agree with it. Um, I actually see Peru as being more of a threat than, than Denmark. Any team that qualifies through South America cannot be underestimated, especially one that's come home as as well as they had late in the qualifying process so um, they're going to be tough to beat and I think um, hopefully come the last group game we've got something to play for yeah for sure I think we're the shortest odds in this one currently $3.40 Peru two fifteen. Uh, the draw 320 uh, if you like I think the only one I can really talk myself into <laughs> is, a, is a 1-0 to Australia that's $9 um would a score draw? What would what would a what would a draw get us if we we'd have to have beaten Denmark? You'd imagine you'd have to beaten Denmark, and goal difference is pretty kind yeah. at that stage after yeah. the French game, and like four points may get a team through in that group. Um, may we'll may say. Yeah. yeah, and so the draw is you know nil 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 nil. Always always worth backing a nil nil in a World Cup. Uh, Eight dollars. Um, that's probably the only place that I'd be. And playing. of course, along with Cahill, it's Milligan's fourth World Cup. He uh, he's only played in one, but he's been <laughs> named in four squads, which is mm. so. You would have been in a. You would have been in one of your ones. Yeah, in two thousand six, yeah. he was uh, yeah selected, but uh, never played. But um, I think it's. I would like to see Bert uh, give some young players the opportunity. Uh, Who are like the young, young players in this team that really like excite like you? A, like a young Daniel Arzani, obviously he's exciting people and I feel like he's going to be someone who's obviously for the future. Um, so let's let's try and uh, give those youngsters the opportunity to to experience what it's like to play in a World Cup. And would you, it, with Arzani, is he the type of player who, you know, if he'd have been around in your sort of time, do you think he'd already be abroad somewhere, maybe in the championship or 
looking to looking maybe con- to continental Europe to try and get a game. Like the fact that he's still, I think he's only. I think he probably has to maybe set the A League alight for one more year before he seriously starts to to think about the move abroad. Mm. I think uh, obviously we need more players like him. When when I was his age playing in the old NSL, there was four or five of us like him. Um, your Jason Kalunas, your Nicky Carls, your Mark Vadukas, all playing well week in, week out at NSL level. So um, we need more players to, to follow his lead and, and really step up and be given the opportunity to, to play regular football in the A-League and then once they're at the top of the game there, then they can they can think about making the move overseas. Have they ever, um, have they ever come knocking with you about money, like a coaching role as a former player and well-respected player. It struck me that going through your uh, career highlights over the last few days, Brett, in preparation for this podcast, I don't think I've ever seen a player online with such a, who's so universally loved by his ex-fans. There are, you know, <laughs> if you go through the forums, it's just it's just this absolute gush of admiration from former Blackburn, you know, all these Blackburn, really? all these Blackburn fans. To, uh, go, on the, go on YouTube. You should read your own comments. It's good fun. Um, you know, just people that, saying what a great player you were, how hard you worked, how much they wanted you back at the club. This guy would make a great manager, all this. Is there any, is there any, uh, is any of that kind of stuff come your way or are you, uh, are you still firmly in Australia for the present? And- yeah, no, I, I uh, can't see myself uh, getting into a managerial position anytime certainly soon. Not a Blackburn. But I am uh, <laughs> certainly not at Blackburn, but I am um, doing a little bit of coaching now at grassroots level, which I'm really enjoying. So, I'll never say never. Um, it's great to be to working with young kids in this country, and I guess trying to develop the the next superstars. And it's uh, a learning curve for myself um, because you're a good player doesn't make you a great coach. So um, enjoying that uh, that side of the game now, and um, who knows how far I'll go with it. But um, I guess it's it's something I'm passionate about. I, I want to get Australian football back to where we were a few years ago and uh, in any way I can try and help develop the next superstars. What, a, what age are you coaching? Nines, 10s, 11s, 12s, say youngins. But, uh, you know, it's it's makes you fall back in love with the game because you see young kids and, and why they play it in the first place. It's not for the fame or the money. It's just for the sheer enjoyment. It's so goals, it's, it? uh, it's That's why I'm enjoying it so much. It, it brought me back to my childhood. You're a, how many have you got? Dave's Dave's wife is a, a week away from, I think, producing their third. Third child on the way uh, next Monday. So you'll have a five-a-side team. Soon. Um, exciting times, yeah. Wrap up uh, tomorrow. I've planned it well, haven't I? On the eve of the World Cup, the soccer traders go missing in action. But, uh, <laughs> it means during the night I'll be the first to get up. Uh, yeah, don't worry, um, I'll sort this out. I'm not going to for the matches. <laughs> Yes, oh, David's been amazing. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's just—he's just—you wouldn't believe it. He's just been up all night with her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bray, what about captaincy? Um, I always thought like the Australian gig. Did, did, uh, were you ever in the running for that? Like with Neil alongside you? Like you always seem like material to be captain, or yeah, it's um, I got got the opportunity to captain the national team a few times, but um, obviously during my time there was Lucas Neil who. Who was a great leader himself and uh, obviously big Mark Viduka as well. So, you know what? Um, we were all leaders in that team. There was um, – all of us were, as I spoke about before, playing at the biggest clubs against the best teams week in, week out. So we all 
took a leadership role and, and pushed one another to, to be better. Um, uh, just on the, um, so back to the Socceroos, what's the absolute best they can achieve at this World Cup? Like, is there is there any chance of them getting through the group stage? I mean, they're paying $4.50. That feels, David, I'm going to say this in front of you and to your face, that feels like unders to me. Four fifty for Australia to get out of the group. Unders. Unders. Um, I mean, look, as we said four years ago, the, kind of the Dutch, the Spanish and um, the Chileans, it was a lot more daunting. Yeah. Um, they've got a chance. I mean, a lot of things have to go right. I mean, the great thing is they could even rock up to the Peru game having not won a game. They could have drawn with the Danes, lost to the French and a win will get them through. So, um, a lot of things have to go right. You can see the Champions League final. Um, Salah went off injured, a couple of calamities, you know, just things like that happen. It's out of your control. But um, I, I can't see it myself, but uh, I obviously want to see it happen. Um, but I think if Australia could get to the last 16, that would be a massive achievement. Yeah, enormous. Which is a shame. It's like, for me, coming from the Asian Cup victory, maybe it just shows, speaks to the... the the paucity of talent in, in Asia or the strength of the Asian Cup. But going from a, an Asian Cup win to not unlikely to scrape out of the group feels like a big step backwards. They're two different tournaments. Asian Cup. <laughs> oh, yeah. the, and th thank you for uh, pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> I think obviously, look, the Postacoglu, I mean, he's not here now, so we don't know. I, we'll never know what that decision was at the right one or the wrong one I guess I don't know yeah. what happened behind the scenes Bress thoughts yeah it's, I think um, <laughs> if we qualify it's no doubt it's a it's a massive achievement there's a big uh, big hurdle in front of us but um, do you think they're more likely to qualify uh, to get out of the group with Van Marwijk than they would have been with Ange you know Ange was a real footballing ideologue he mm. wouldn't change his tactics for love nor money, but a bit more sort of practical maybe. I think if if Ange continued to play the way he was against the likes of France, then that would tear us apart. Simple as that. So saying that, I think under Bert, maybe he stole a football. We've got a better chance to get something out of each and every game. Um, like I say, massive task ahead. But if we get through the round of 16, it'll be a massive achievement for, for that group of players. Okay, well, we'll be watching with interest. Um, as I said, we'll be in here um, twice a week during the World Cup. Um, we'll try and even so sort of an even preview of games. We'll keep it pretty betting focused. Um, the World Cups are an amazing time for gambling. You can, you can because you're going to be watching a lot of it, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that you can see and pick up on and it's a, genuinely you will... If you follow us and if you follow the games, you can find those moments so you can find the value in the markets and um, hopefully give you some winners. And uh, before we go, Dave, I'll just um, wish you and your beautiful wife uh, good luck with the uh, the birth. Thank you, sir. Um, hopefully we'll have a name. Maybe we maybe you could uh, make the name World Cup related. <laughs> the, oh, the top goal scorer market. The top goal scorer or the, uh, um, the golden boot or the... Uh, this well, is, let's hope Mohamed Salah gets keeps injured. So, yeah, I don't want to have that on. <laughs> this, is, this is my uh, this is my lovely daughter Manuel Neuer. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps not. Anyway, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Um, if you have any questions for Brett or the rest of the guys, hit us up on our socials on uh, 
you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're not on Snapchat, um, so don't go there. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you in the meat of the action. Thanks very much. I don't know what the goodbye in Russian is. I'll look that up for next time. <laughs> Cheers, guys. <laughs>